I view Keontae George as a potential top seven pick headed into next season. I'm higher on him than the consensus. I'll tell you why. Plus, we'll do a full breakdown on him all coming up next. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Thank you for making this show your first listen today, and hopefully that is the case every day. We appreciate you joining us. My name is Sam Ferris. I am a credentialed NBA draft analyst, and I am joined today by my co-host. It is Leif Tulin. I think we've got a fun topic, Leif. I enjoy doing the specific prospect breakdown we're kind of doing a series now. We did the first one last week, and we did Derek Whitehead last week. This week, we're doing Keontae George. We're going to hit on a bunch of different topics, like what are his biggest strengths? What do we want to see from him at Baylor next year? Uh, where do we have him compared to some of the guys from last year? And we're going to do kind of a fun um, a fun roundup, a fun uh, quick trigger thing at the end with a bunch of quick, fun questions that we'll get to. But there's a lot to hit on, a lot to break down. One of the more interesting prospects in this class. Before we get into it, though, we do have a title sponsor today. It is Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. All right, well, let's get into the topic today that is Keontae George. I'll start with some of uh, the high-level stuff on him. Again, for a lot of people, this will be the first time you've really heard much in-depth about him as uh, he's going to be a freshman this coming season. At Baylor, but Keontae George is a six foot four inch combo guard. I would classify him as a combo guard. We can kind of debate that today. It's it's something that kind of can be debated is what position is he going to play. But six foot four, he is a little bit older for a freshman. He's almost 19 years old. Uh, and he played at the IMG Academy in high school. 247 Sports had him ranked as the seventh best um, freshman coming into college, the seventh best um, recruit in this incoming class. And I look forward to mock drafts uh, next year. Obviously, it's still very early. I looked at a couple different CBS Sports, SI, I think ESPN maybe. All of them had him in the 10 to 12 range. So, Leaf, let's start with his strengths. Uh, What would you say are his biggest strengths as a prospect right now? I know a lot of this is still early on. I've watched a lot of his IMG tape. I've watched some of the recent uh, games he played for, for USA at the global jam. And I've watched some of his AAU stuff from last year, from what you've seen though, Leaf, what would you say are his biggest strengths? Yeah. First and foremost, he's a, a born scorer. He's a bucket getter. He creates his own shot effectively. He's got a very smooth shot and he's able to score in not only reliant on his jump shot, which was one of my initial concerns when I first saw him. I was like, oh man, how is this going to translate? Because he's 
getting buckets with his jump shot, which is awesome to see. It's pretty, but is he, does he have a diverse game, but he also got to the free throw line, which I think is a very valuable thing in those who are kind of touted as scores. And he, he showed his ability to do that at a high level early. Um, I watched some IMG, but I put a ton more stock into what I watched at the Global Jam where he played for Baylor, which was labeled as Team USA against Italy uh, and Canada. U23 also played against Brazil. I didn't get to watch as much of that game. But he scored 37 and 32 points respectively in those two that I got to watch every minute of. And I was most impressed with the fact that they were missing what I consider to be the best backcourt in the country. They're missing three-fourths of it. They're missing Adam Flagler, who may be one of the best shooters in the country. They're missing um, – so Keontae George is the only backcourt member there. They were also missing a um, – blanking for some reason. LJ uh, Who is coming back. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll get to the point of what he's so good at. He scores incredibly well, and he had an impetus to do so, and they the necessity to do so against elite competition, playing older people as an 18-year-old playing against 23-year-olds from the best of what countries had to offer – and he was able to score very well, and he did it efficiently, which was the most surprising part. And, yes, it's LJ Cryer is who I was missing. Um, but, but, yeah, that scoring, and I think he's taller than most people say. You list him at 6'4", that's what I have him at. But I feel like people kind of view him as a diminutive guard, and I don't think that's necessarily the perception he should receive. Yeah, you hit on some good points. It's hard for me to pick one strength because I love a lot about his offensive game. If I had to pick one thing, though, I think the jumper to me, it's just aesthetically watching it. It's really pretty to watch it. It looks good. And I think that if he hits as a prospect, that I think his biggest key to success and I think his biggest strength will be the pull-up three-point shot. Like when people go under screens on him, he, to me, I think he can be that next kind of three-point guard bombing threes off the dribble I think he has that ability but then it's the versatility it's the scalability offensively Uh, at IMG playing for a really good team and with USA he can play on the ball he does that really well but he can play off the ball really well too there was a clip I posted this week where it was uh, nearing the end of the quarter they had just a few seconds to get a shot off, they were going to run him off a screen in the corner. He saw that the defender was shooting the gap, so he faded to the corner, beautiful footwork, and rose into a quick trigger three and hit it. And that ability to read screens, move off the ball, is something that you don't see that often for really good players that are young. Because when you're that good and you're young, you're usually playing almost exclusively on the ball. So those guys generally don't know how to move off the ball as well as he does, use screens. And then to me, the footwork to get into that three-point shot. Um, To me, I believe I've talked to a couple guys that I know that are great shooters, and they tell me an underrated aspect is obviously the footwork. It's how quick shooters can get their feet set. And Steph Curry to me is like the elite example of that. But I think Keontae George has that footwork and that shooting ability, that quick trigger off the ball that a lot of guys don't have. But then the on-ball stuff there, that that skill level is is there as well. Um, so do you see do you see the shooting at that high of a level? Do you think it's going to be an elite skill? When we look at maybe the whole class as a whole a year from now, do you think that his, his shooting is going to be one of the top skills in the class? 
or do you see it more as it's good, but maybe not elite? I'd lean towards elite. Uh, I think the way he shoots is different than we typically refer to elite shooters. I think like in this last year's class, we talked about like Ochag Baji. We talked about uh, AJ Griffin, a couple other guys that are catch and shoot predominant guys. I think what makes him special, as you alluded to this, is his pull-up three. And, and it's becoming a more and more valuable shot. And I don't love tossing out comparisons too early, but just to give people a visual, he reminds me a little bit of what we know now is what Bones Highland can do uh, in the way he's kind of slithery, gets to jump shots. Um, he's got some craft and guile to his game. I think he's a better high-end prospect than Bones Highland, but I think that's kind of an archetype that he reminds me a little of. I think if he were to get the ball more, and I think we'll, we'll talk more about this, about his point guard versus shooting guard, how much of a combo guard is he? Could he be a little bit like Jamal Murray if he got the ball as a point guard? I'm not sure I'd go there, but I think that's like the highest end outcome for him. Um, if he ends up being a top 10 pick and they give him the reins to an offense, that's something I, I'm kind of envisioning what the highest end outcome is and why would it happen. And that's kind of the big logical jump for me is how much will he get the ball in a crowded backcourt that is the best backcourt in the country, in my my opinion. And so that's that's kind of the big jump. And I think we're going to discuss that. But I do think he's ranging on the elite tier of shooting. So that's funny you hit on that. You've hit on a few points that I wanted to hit on. But one of the topics that I wanted to get to later, uh, but you got to now, is potential NBA comparisons. And this doesn't mean that they exactly that he's exactly a replica of X player. It's just to give you an idea. If you haven't seen him before, what his skill set is like to me, when I look at him, I, I see the combination of skill shooting and also strength because he is, he's pretty strong, pretty broad, but six, four, six, five. So, you know, when you look at him, you see Bradley Beal, but I feel like the Brad Beal comp is used for like every good six foot four prospect now. And so the one that I wrote down was Jamal Murray. And it's funny because we don't talk before. I like not seeing other scouting reports before I write up my own. So I thought that was interesting. We ended up in a similar spot where, to me, Jamal Murray is an elite shooter. He can play on the ball and off. And he's just at, he's got a really high skill level across the board. I don't know if you want to call him a point guard, shooting guard, combo guard. It doesn't really matter because he plays next to Jokic, so he's on the ball, he's off the ball a lot too. But I see a lot of similarities there in terms of the variety of skills that they have offensively. Yeah, I, I think I think the reason that I envisioned George as Murray is you see the the touch, the the kind of just you can't teach it intangible feel for a game. And, and the, the ability to get to their spots is what reminds me of each, each other. Um, Murray, I wouldn't qualify as an explosive athlete, and nor would I qualify George as that. Uh, I do think Murray's, even at Kentucky, was a bit ahead of Keontae George in terms of the point guard position. Yeah. But their scoring tendencies remind me of each other and the way that they get to their spots, and particularly because they're both good at, good at getting to the free throw line, complementing their phenomenal shooting from the outside. Yep, totally agree. Um Let's get into a break now, and when we come back, I want to hear where you have him right now. I know you don't have a solidified board. I don't either, but just kind of early on feel for where we have them, and then we'll get into what we want to see from him next season at Baylor. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. 
Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news podcasts, including this year's games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. That is Bet Online where the game starts. Steph Curry, KD, LeBron James, Giannis, which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked on and the bet online odds makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players starting on September 19th, just a few days from now. Find that on the Locked On NBA feed, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. And while we're talking about YouTube, this show is also on YouTube. So if you're watching us, let us know where you're at on Keontae George. Um, I have him ranked right now, early on, as the seventh best prospect in the class. Uh, Leaf, I know you don't have like a finished board. Obviously, it's still early. What what would be kind of the range that you have him in right now? Yeah, I I, uh, I did a pod a while ago with Richard uh, talking about how impressed I was with him after the Global Jam, and I said I could see, have him as high as sixth, and so I think that's kind of my very high end, and I've got him somewhere through sixth or ten. I think I'd lean towards the seven and eight spot because if you look at a lot of consensus boards, I'll just go off Tankathon because that's a pretty. Uh, well-compiled board. It, it has Cam Whitmore, fifth, Osar Thompson, sixth, Ammon Thompson, seventh, Dylan Mitchell, Derek Lively, nine, Keontae George, 10. I think George will go ahead of Dylan Mitchell. I don't know. Lively, I, I'll have to wait and see approach, but I think his, his, uh, his high-end ceiling stops shorter than some of the other prospects, but I feel like his his floor is higher than a lot of these prospects that are in that five or six through 15 range. And so I feel comfortable after seeing him play elite competition, score the ball as comfortably as he did, to to have him probably around seven through nine is my comfortable range. I think six is the highest he can go because I just don't think he has quite the high-end upside that some of the guys in this draft class do. And that's no shot at Count of George. That's just a testament to how loaded this draft class is. Yeah, I agree with you. From the list you mentioned, I would definitely right now have him above Dylan Mitchell, Derek Lively, and probably Derek Whitehead as well, and maybe Osar Thompson. So, yeah, I have him in the 6 through 10 range as well. Uh, any of that range, obviously, still early, could realistically happen. But now let's get into, like, what do we want to see from him next year at Baylor? And I'll start this off with, you mentioned they have a loaded backcourt. When I pull up the Bart Torvik season preview, Right now, they have listed as the top three guys in terms of projected minutes as LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and then, and then number three, Keontae George. But it's just interesting because they've got a lot of good kind of smaller guards. So where does George fit into that? And then also a guy like Langston Love, who we haven't seen that much of, but is promising he's going to get minutes too. So they really do have just a lot of good guards like Baylor has in recent history. Does that worry you in terms of the playing time, or do you think he's going to just fit in quite fine, or maybe even do you think he's kind of the best of the bunch right away? I actually think this is a great setting for Keontae George. Um, I, I chose Baylor 
about two years ago, well ahead of the season to be better than Gonzaga. They ended up meeting in that championship. And not to toot my own horn, but the reason was because their backcourt was better. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Adam Flagler was a not-known commodity, and Macy Oteague was a third option. This time, I believe that the best player and the best scorer is Keontae George. I think the player that will maybe be the most uh, polished is going to be Adam Flagler. I think LJ Cryer, who people forget about, he was the leading scorer for this Baylor team. Prior to his injury, they were number one in the nation uh, this past year, and they all return. I think he's the he's the catalyst. Um, and I think I think Langston Love is a bit of the Adam Flagler from two years ago, the fourth wheel, but it's certainly a deadly option to come off the bench. And they could play – I even believe they can play all four guards because they're all going to be good defensively. Scott Drew's got does a marvelous job getting that team ready. And then they'll play Flo Thamba as the five. Obviously, they won't run that lineup for the full time. Uh, I think Baylor's the best team in the country, so I'll get that off my chest. But I believe the lead score is going to be the freshman, Keontae George. And I think that when they need a bucket in the type of game, they, they're going to be an egalitarian offense. You're going to see a couple games where LJ Cryer leads the team in scoring. You're going to see a number where Adam Flagler does. But I think when it's all come said and done, I think you're going to see 16, 17 points a game from Keontae George, especially once he gets established into this offense. And he starts kind of getting those jitters out that freshmen sometimes have. Uh, and I think I think you're going to see an all uh, Big 12 conference uh, member. I think you're going to see he's not quite going to be an All-American, in my opinion. But I think he's going to be one of the top five scorers in the Big 12. And he's going to be one of the top five scorers of freshmen in the country. And I think if you're doing that on a winning team, that means a lot more to me than if you're scoring 20-22 on a team that's like an eight seed. So if you're if you're a potential number one seed, and you're the guy, uh, I, I really think that helps your draft stock. And you've seen some t- players that have been elevated by virtue of playing on good teams and playing roles. I think he's going to play a starring role, but a role, not just the lone star like Markel Fultz, for instance. And he's going to elevate his draft stock because of it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's he's going to be really good. Can he be an All-American? Probably not, just because of how many good players they have around him. Like, he's not going to get enough volume to put up the stats to do that as a freshman for a very good team but I agree I think he will be their leading scorer next year right now uh, the the projections say Cryer coming in at around 17 per game Flagler 15 Keontae George at 11 but it's conservative because Keontae's a freshman I'd flip that I'd move Keontae up to the 17 points slide Cryer down to like 15 and then Flagler at like 12 uh, again, it'll rotate based on the game, but to me, George is the best player right away. We saw that for him playing for that USA slash Baylor team. So I expect that to continue. Uh, what about Leaf, though, on the defensive side of the ball? Because Baylor is always a really good defensive team. We've seen them help to improve the defensive stock of a guy like Davion Mitchell. I personally have a sneaking suspicion that he's going to look better defensively than a lot of people expect. He's got uh, he's got high feel in terms of his basketball IQ. He's strong. He can move. He He's going to be in a good system. I just do have a sneaking suspicion he's going to be a little bit better defensively than people expect. Do you think that playing for Baylor is going to help him out on the defensive side of the ball next season? 
I think it's a it's a double-edged sword for him. I think he'll look better as a freshman than you may anticipate because usually you're like, oh, it's the freshman on a good team. He may not be good defensively, especially if he's touted as a scorer. I think Baylor will make him look good because of their defensive system. They they are known for not allowing middle on drives, so you you very you're, you're it's difficult to be susceptible to drives on Baylor. And if you are, that means you're not a good defender. Um, and I think Jared Butler is a good example of this. Jared Butler was a solid, and he, he was like two and a half steals a game at Baylor in his, in his uh, junior year uh, type of defender. But then you see him in the NBA, and I see him up close and personal because I work for the Jazz. And, and you see that he's not the quick twitch, explosive athlete defender that you, you kind of covet in the NBA. And as we're an NBA draft show, I don't think he's going to be a, what I consider a good defender. But I think Baylor will make him serviceable, and that'll make him – aware of the traits needed to be a good uh, adequate NBA defender. I think he'll be in the range of adequacy rather than a good or bad. And that's, that's probably a win when you talk about the scoring ability and the intangibles he possesses. Yeah, that's a good transition because we, we do have to talk about him athletically. So as we talked about last week with Derek Whitehead, there's just a lot that falls under the umbrella of athleticism And so from a high level, you could say he's kind of like an average athlete, but I want to dig into that a little bit more in terms of what we like and what maybe is a weakness for him athletically. So when I look at his strengths athletically, Leaf, to me, his biggest, or we could argue what his biggest strength is, but one that sticks out to me as positive, I think he has good body control. Uh, When you see him get into the lane, He's just able to contort his body in different ways, has very good body control through contact and can finish well with both hands, different types of spin. He just does have that body control in the lane that you see from a lot of elite guards. Uh, I think that in terms of a leaper, I'd say he's probably about average, but where I think he lacks a little bit is his quickness and his first step. However, that can be masked a little bit because he has a really good handle. So he can use screens really well and he's got a really good handle so he can get to spots. But also very importantly is his jumper is so lethal that defenses respect it and guys have to get all the way out into him. And so similar to like you'll see with, obviously I don't think he's going to be Steph or Dame Lillard, but you just have to guard those guys so far out or even like a Bones Highland, like you mentioned, you have to respect that jumper so much that you have to give them the drive in certain circumstances. And so I am interested to see, because I don't think he has great quickness, uh, how well he's able to get into the lane, how well he's able to finish in traffic. But that's kind of how I'd break it down. I like his body control. I think he's an average leaper, but where I think he does struggle is the short area quickness, I think, compared to other NBA guards. I'm right on board with you. And I, and I just thought of another comparison, or, or I wouldn't say necessarily a one-to-one comparison, but a way he could follow that archetype is someone like C.J. McCollum, who navigates yeah. screens very well, uses the threat of his shot to create offense if, for himself via the drive because of how potent his jump shot is. Um, I mentioned the Bones Highland one that you echoed right there. And I think the similarity there is is just kind of, not having the athletic traits that have scouts salivating in a prototypical combine setting, but the functional athleticism, they both have good um, deceleration is something that I would notice. If you, if you really watch uh, bones Highland play at VCU and and obviously with the nuggets, but when you watch him as a prospect, you notice that 
the whole scouting report is focused on getting him off the line, making him drive, and then see what he's able to do in the interior. His float game is immaculate. He he really has good body control, as you mentioned, and Keontae George is the same way. But it's the deceleration. Jaden Hardy was the same way. I think people that know how to score don't have to have these incredible quick twitch athleticism traits uh, in order to score. And I think they're they're uh, they adapt early and learn to score without that. And I think it helps them as the athleticism progresses. And that's why I think Jamal Murray is so good because his athleticism, I would say, is, is even a touch better than Keontae George's. It's better than CJ McCollum's. Um, but he, he learned to score first and then the athleticism came along, at least is the way I perceive it. And I think that's the, something that to uh, kind of monitor for County George is if he's able to get by off athleticism in college, then be excited for what he's able to do in the NBA because his his skill level is higher than his athleticism level. And that's something that I actually view as a positive for him. Yeah. One other thing I'll add that you kind of hit on. Uh, especially this is similar to a Brad Beal, a Jamal Murray, and a CJ McCollum, is he's strong for his age. Uh, he, he's he got those broad shoulders. A lot of times for young prospects, we have to project that they'll put on strength. And for him, he he's already got that. In fact, like he could probably slim down a little bit, and I think we'll probably see that at Baylor next year. So I, I agree. I think we're kind of on the same page athletically. I'm excited to see how that translate at Baylor, because I think like, I want to see how he finishes at the rim versus these big 12 athletes. I think he has that skill. Like he can really finish with both hands, knows where to pick his spots and can get to spots off the dribble. Uh, but just to what level is athleticism is functional and works well enough against the elite athletes will be certainly important for him as a prospect. Um, okay. Let's now get into um, – I kind of wrote down an extra question here that's just interesting to think about. Uh, there's different ways you could think about this, but let's just say in a theoretical world, you could improve or kind of give him any skill that you think would most improve him as a prospect. So I, I guess another way of looking at this is what do you think is most preventing him from being an elite prospect at the guard position? I think it's pick and roll navigation is what I'd give him. I'd give him more ball skills in the sense of being a facilitator. I think he's a yeah. playmaker, in the, but his his way of making plays is to score. I think if I were to make him a perfect offensive weapon, I think there's a lot of improvement that could be made as the primary playmaker. I'm not sure he'll be given that role at Baylor, but if you're going to turn the keys of a franchise over, as you typically do to a guy who could be in the top five, top seven, um, I would like him to develop a few more passing reads, uh, be be a threat in the mid-range, not only to score, but to create via the kickout or lobs. And I think that's where kind of maturation comes into play. And sometimes that's where the benefit of having a, the only good star on a, on a college team comes in handy because you learn how to handle this. I think an example of this would be like Bryce McGowan's, um, that he had no one really notable to play with. And he kind of figured out how to navigate offenses, whether his team would make the shots that he created. That's another story. But I think Keontae George being on such a egalitarian team may not put the ball in his hands to be the playmaker. But I think that's the thing I'd add. I think defensively is adequate, as I mentioned. Um, but I think I think it's, it's almost like what Jalen Brunson had to do with the Mavericks this year. Jalen Brunson didn't have the playmaking role responsibility when Luca was there. But when Luca was out, Jalen Brunson had that previous experience at Villanova of being the guy who scores but had that playmaking ability uh, using kind of slowed down pace, strength, headiness 
to facilitate as well and create an impetus on the defense to adjust to him rather than him adjusting to the defense. And uh, I think that's what I would give as a trade or skill set uh, to Keontae George to really put him over the top as a prospect. Yeah, I, I agree. And the one thing that is kind of a disappointment or I wish were different about his situation at Baylor is he does have so many good young or good small guards, excuse me, that I don't know, like he's going to get the ball, he's going to score, but I really want to see where his passing's at and how it can improve. And I don't know that we're going to see enough of him on the ball making reads considering the other guard talent they have around him that I don't know if he's going to get, he's going to improve, but I don't know if we could see him to the extent, like you said, for a guy like Bryce McGowan's or a guy that like a Blake Wesley last year that had a lot of on-ball usage. I wish we could see a little bit more of that, but I'm also excited to see him play a role on a really good team. So there's always give and take depending on the context that a player is playing in. And kind of one of the final points here that I think is interesting as it pertains to him and this upcoming draft class is he's one of a number of guys you could consider combo guards, six foot four, six, three, six, five, like smaller two guards that maybe aren't point guards. Like in this class projected to go top 20, there's him, there's Nick Smith, there's Kaysen Wallace, there's Amari Bailey, there's Turquavion Smith. And so to me, like uh, there's a, there's always ways you can distinguish or set yourself apart, but for smaller combo guards that aren't necessarily big enough to be wings, like you either have to be really, really elite offensively, or you have to be good enough to play on the ball, like play as like a point guard on the ball so that you can have bigger defenders next to you in the lineup, or you have to hold up defensively against wings. And so like, those are kind of different ways that you can set yourself apart I don't think George is going to be good enough defensively where he's like a wing defender. That's a plus just physically. I don't think he's going to get there. And so either to me, he's going to have to be like elite offensively, which I think is certainly possible, or he's going to have to like really hit in terms of uh, like the on the ball, the passing, uh, the playmaking development. And so that's what you hit on to me. I agree. I am hoping to see a lot. But to me, that that portion of his game setting up others is one that will distinguish him from either being like uh, a back half of the lottery prospect or like a legit elite offensive prospect. Yeah, I think I think one thing to posit as a question, not necessarily from me to you, but for our listeners, and, and you can obviously respond to this, is you know when Turquavion Smith played in the in the combine and really made a name for himself, he was looking like he'd be a top 20 pick and I, I heard from various people that he could have even cracked the lottery uh, if that's the case uh, I, I think that Turquavion Smith now is considered likely lottery pick I think that all the stuff you like about Turquavion Smith Keontae George is bigger he may be a better shooter at least I, I would say he's a more consistent shooter although part of that would have to do with shot selection why, why not take Keontae George in the lottery there's some people that say oh we, we're worried about his production in this I think that the low usage rate may actually be a detriment to the common eye for him. But I'd, I'd ask this of the listeners of what you like of Turquavion Smith, what can Keontae George not do that Turquavion can? And then the flip side is what is he better at than Turquavion is? And I think, I think you're going to see that, that he's the better combo guard prospect here. And I don't think that's like 
any breaking news. But while you were speaking, I was kind of thinking to myself, like a lot of what you're saying sounds like what I'd use as part of a knock on Terquavion Smith that may be used as a benefit for, um, for Keontae George, because he's a little bigger. He's probably a little bit better defensively, but he's also got some uh, playmaking to work on. And that's what your Quavion kind of went back to work on here as well. So I kind of am positing that to both to you and the listeners as a larger part. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd agree. And I go back to the age where Keontae George is younger at the same age, definitely a better prospect in my opinion. So I personally would certainly have him above Turquavion Smith, but we're going to learn a lot this coming season to see what kind of a leap that Turquavion Smith took and just how well uh, Keontae George plays in his freshman season at Baylor. So let's finish this up. I wrote down just some fun, quick fire questions. These are going to be quick responses. We'll both each give. Um, let's start with this one. Who has the better season next year, Keontae George or Nick Smith? Jeez, that is not an easy question. <laughs> yeah. um, I have them back to back on my board, so it's tough for me to. I, I would go that Nick Smith is the more coveted NBA prospect, mostly due to athletic potential. But I think uh, I think that Keontae George will have a more efficient and better college basketball season. Yeah, I agree. I think George puts up better stats probably for a better team, I think. But that's a really tough question, too. I have them, again, back-to-back on my board. I will certainly be swayed more by what I see from them this coming season than what I've kind of believed about them in the past. Uh, I'll be quick to, to change my mind based on what I see. All right, over or under 15 points per game for Keontae George next season at Baylor. I'm going over. I think like I'd go like 16 or 17 for him. Yeah. I'd go like 17 also. Um, okay. I mentioned those combo guards in his range. Nick Smith, Kaysen Wallace, Amari Bailey, Turquavion Smith. Does Keontae George end up going top two in terms of where they go in the draft next year? Does he go top two among that group? Yes. I, I feel pretty confident in that too. I think I think it's Nick Smith by a hair and then Keontae George. And I think there's a bit of a drop off to the next uh, pick of those guys. Um, and then I think I wouldn't consider Derek Whitehead as a combo guard necessarily, but there's a chance he gets to run some point guard. We talked about this last week that that could help his stock. And if yeah. he were in there, I'd put him just a touch ahead of Keontae George due to physical st- uh, physical size. But uh, but I, I to your question, I'd say he's picked second of that group. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're good at beating me to my questions. My next one was comparing him to the last player that we profiled. I actually would lean Keontae George just barely over Dariq Whitehead. Sounds like you're the same, but flipped. Yeah, my, my thinking was, I actually, as I was pulling into my house today, I was thinking about your, the questions you wrote. So, so you know, Sam and I like to think about this stuff. Sometimes we'll interact with each other on Twitter and just like ask random philosophical, uh, philosophical questions. And this mm-hmm. is one that was running through my head as I was driving home from work. And I started to think about the Boston Celtics. And this is the reason I ended up picking Derek Whitehead. It's which basketball, what, what is the, the style of basketball that is becoming more prevalent? It's, it's the guys that are switchable and bigger. And I think that Keontae George to hit has to have the ball in his hands more and has to have a team orchestrated to his strengths. So to play winning basketball, I think Dariq Whitehead has more possible outcomes to affect winning in a positive fashion. 
And that's why I favor Dariq Whitehead. I personally prefer uh, Keontae George's is scoring ability, but I, I would, that's my logic for why I have Dariq Whitehead a touch ahead of Keontae. It's a very compelling argument. And I've talked about lately that in the draft, I feel like one of my issues in terms of my self-evaluation is I, I, I overvalue guys with like creation potential, but then when it comes to actual NBA team building, then I value the guys that are more scalable that I know can shoot and play defense and take nothing off the table. So like an example of that would be like Josh Giddy versus Franz Wagner, where I valued Giddy more because I saw like the more the on-ball creation upside. But then when I saw them, like Josh Giddy played up to expectations, but I just value like the the size at the position, the scalability, the shooting in the defense, like the ability to play a role on a good team. So if I'm learning for myself, I should put Dariq Whitehead over Keontae George based on that. But I just I just think Keontae George is better, to put it simply. I think he's got more skill. I think he's the better player at this age. Whitehead has more concerns that I'm worried about. But Whitehead is he's a few inches bigger. I think he's going to be better defensively and more scalable. So that'll be kind of another interesting one to track. And... Uh, final one here in terms of uh, give your best guess. It can be a range. What do you think he shoots from three next season? Considering he's going to play some off the ball, it should be a role that he's playing in. I expect him to be pretty efficient. I'd say maybe 36, 37% on decent volume is kind of what I would expect. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this question as well. And then, like we said, Sam and I don't tell each other all the questions. So that we're, I guess, great minds think alike in this one. Um, I, I was thinking, what would make him a top seven pick? Like, what percentages? Yeah. And so I was going to ask this to you, so I guess I will. Yeah. I would say if he scores over 15 points on over 43% shooting from the field and shoots anywhere from 36 to 40% from three, and I assume his free throw shooting is going to be about 80, 82 yeah. Um could even higher. see higher from him. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that to me means he's eligible to be a top seven pick. And I think anywhere a little bit lower moves him from seven to like the 14 at the low end. Uh, so I, I think we're at similar mind there, but I'll, I'll posit that to you as well. Yeah, I'd go similar statistically. And then what I'd be interested to see is what does his passing and defense look like to complement that? But if he shoots, especially the volume is important. And if it's above 35%, it's going to look good enough. I, I think he could shoot in the mid to high 80s from the free throw line. That'll be another sign as to how good of a, how good of a shooter he is, which I believe he is elite getting back to how we started this podcast. So I think that shooting, that skill is going to be one of the best traits in the class. I'm excited to see him. You said you think Baylor is the best team in the country next season, right? Did I hear that yes, correctly? I, yes, I do. Got a bold take. I'm glad we're getting those out there. Um, any other bold takes you want to get off before we finish up today, Leaf? Um, nothing, nothing off the top of my head. Maybe when we revisit next week, we do another prospect. I'll, I'll have one ready up, ready and stored to yeah. go. Right, yeah, let's leave it up to the listeners. Or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, which it could be a freshman or it could be a returning player, do you want to hear the next prospect profile breakdown on? Let us know of other questions you'd want us to include as we go through this. Thank you so much for listening and joining in. We appreciate it and have a great weekend.